PPC can be a real strong engine for growth so long as the amount that you're paying for traffic is lower than the value of it. Make sure that every campaign that you're running, every platform that you're running on, that you have ironclad measurement. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast, an auditory journey through the latest in marketing, branding, and advertising. Now, here's your Marketing Expedition Guide, Ray Allen. On this week's episode of the Marketing Expedition Podcast, I get to speak with Ben Lund. And after an extensive career in marketing, including working as a marketing manager at Google, Ben decided to start his own marketing agency, Rise Marketing Group, which uses data-driven processes to drive incremental business growth. And Ben's 15 years of digital marketing experience has really given him concrete insights into what works and what doesn't. And we're going to talk a lot with Ben and including some things that he did in his career, including cold calling which gave me the idea for our Marketing Essentials Moment this week. And now it's time for our Marketing Essentials Moment, the basics that you need to continue helping you build your brand and your bottom line. So cold calling. It's a love-hate relationship, and I don't do it very often anymore, but I will tell you in my career, (laughs) before Pepper Shock, I did it, and I managed a team of people, and I was pretty decent at it and I figured some things out. So I thought I would share with you some of the things that you can do to master your cold calling or even just when the opportunity arises to be able to share the value that you know. So let's talk about cold calling. (laughs) And I know it's a mindset, right? And we did do an experiment with people who would normally maybe in their job description not have cold calling as a part of their role. But oh my gosh, what it can do for you to overcome fear and give you confidence and be able to speak to people in a way that maybe you're not always comfortable with. But that's the thing, is building trust and rapport. And you can do that with anybody, right? If you want to have a conversation to get into a new job or get a new project lined up, or maybe it's working with a new vendor, or maybe it's, you know, trying to create a partnership or a sponsorship if you're in the nonprofit world or whatever the case might be, chances are you will have to talk to some complete stranger that you have never met before. But before you actually pick up the phone and dial that number, there's a couple things that you would want to do. Research. Maybe do some title targeting research on LinkedIn. Look that person up on LinkedIn. What kinds of things are they interested in? What history and past or what experiences have they had. Look at the testimonials of of what people have said about them. What kind of things can you do to relate with them? And just think about stepping into their shoes for just a moment, thinking about before you call them, what's going on in their day? They're probably pretty busy because that's what everyone is now is busy, especially if they're decision makers, right? So think about how you're going to build that trust, that rapport with them and and things that you can discuss that might pique their interest because you have five seconds to get five minutes of their time before they just tell you no. So mindset, right? Know that you're going to have people tell you no, that they're going to hang up on you, that they are going to get irritated with you, right? This is just a natural thing that happens when people are interrupting their day with a phone call. So just Prepare your mindset that that could happen 
and understand that that is part of the process that you go through. But the more you do it, the better you get at it, the more you can practice and repeat and and make it better, right? So research, who is it that you're going to call? Now, the other thing to consider is that you're likely going to get through to a gatekeeper. The gatekeeper is the person who is just that. They're going to keep their gate of their decision maker and they're not going to let you through right away because that's their job to automatically assume that you are there to sell them something. (laughs) So not being salesy. So building that rapport with the gatekeeper. Do a little research. Who is it that is maybe the executive assistant or the receptionist or, you know, what is the process that you'll have to go through in order to find the right person to talk to about whatever it is that you do? So when I was cold calling, I was working for a publishing company and our job was to sell advertising in magazines and on posters and just different things that we did. And so I was uh, working, I was in the West Coast, but calling people on the East Coast. So timing is everything too. Knowing what time of day to capture the right person at the right time can be very important as well. So those are some things that you'll want to research. What time of day would be the best time to call? What day of the week might be the best time to call? Monday mornings, probably not so much because a lot of people have Monday morning staff meetings or Monday morning meetings with whomever, right? Um, So Monday morning is probably not going to be the best time. But again, do the research on your industry. Do they have Monday morning meetings? And if so, that's not going to be the best time to call. You're just going to get voicemail. You're not going to get through. So thinking about, okay, time of day, the research, what can I learn about this person that I want to call before I pick up the phone? You know, dialing for dollars is one thing, but building relationships is a whole nother level of what you can do. So think about your pattern interrupt that you can use right off the bat, because again, you have five seconds to maybe get five minutes of their time and think about what it is that they're doing in their day when you interrupt them. Okay. Because initially it's, you know, a a phone ringing is already an interruption. So what can you do to make sure that you have as much time as possible to be able to have that? Even, Even if it's time to say, is this a good time to talk right now? Do you have five minutes? Yes or no? If not now, then can we schedule a time together that we can discuss or talk or do a Zoom meeting or 15 minute? I do 15 minute Zoom meetings all the time. And by the way, on the flip side, now that I run an agency and I have a a business, I get sales calls constantly. So I have been on the receiving end and on the other end. So there's lots of things that people can do to get through to me (laughs) now. And so using those as tactics that might work for you can really help you build your conversation piece that you will need in order to build this rapport and trust and relationship that you are wanting to accomplish. Another key part of the research that you can do is what are some of the things that are going on in your prospects industry right now? What are some of the challenges that they're faced with? What are some opportunities that they're faced with? What are some things that you can do to allow them the opportunity to talk and let you listen to them, right? And and make it about them, not about you, but make it about them. Ask them questions, open-ended questions that get them to talk. Because people love to talk about themselves and their industry and their business if you open up the opportunity to do so. So if you can give them that opportunity to talk about themselves and get some information, you're looking for key ways to be able to relate with them and and build that relationship and that trust with them. So and, and having that level of respect and giving them that opportunity to share 
what's on their mind, what's going on, what are some of the, the issues that they have, right? And, and maybe they already work with somebody who does what you do. Maybe asking questions about what's your current relationship right now, what are some things that you really love about working with them, what are some things that maybe they could improve upon and why. And use that, store those little nuggets of information because you could call on that and, and use that to your advantage later, right? So think about when you can do the pattern interrupt, did I catch you at a good time? I don't like to say, did I catch you at a bad time, right? I like to say, did I catch you at a good time? Keep it positive. Negativity doesn't always flow and go right. And it can always kind of turn into something that you don't want you don't want the call to go that way, right? <laughs> and so think about how you can open your your sentence, you know, did I catch you at a good time, right? And and then if not, let's schedule a time that we can. Is there 15 minutes that we could talk or five minutes that we could talk? And then get your get your appointment calendar out and suggest a time and then maybe that's as, as much time as you get at that very moment. Um, and then just asking them how they've been, how, how is business, how are things going in your industry right now? Just developing that rapport, getting them, you know, talking specifically about things that are going on. If you can get specific, then that's going to help, not just generalizing, but getting pretty specific about something that you're asking them about, right? And then it kind of, you know, gets them thinking a little bit more. And they're probably wondering why it is that you're trying to call them. Why did a perfectly good stranger call me today? What's 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 the catch? What are they after? What's, you know, kind of that mindset that we all have when salespeople call. <laughs> but if you can get past the 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 initial no, right? And again, going back to mindset, knowing that you're going to have people who are just going to say no and that's okay. Because then you're just going to pick up the call and, and find somebody else to talk to that you've already done some research on as well. So being able to personalize your messaging to them, personalize your research and, and discoveries and findings that, that has. And again, LinkedIn makes this super easy because you can look at all the things about them, about their company, you know, maybe things that they've recently posted on or commented on. What is it that you can do? Hey, I noticed that you commented or posted about XYZ. I found that really interesting and here's why. And, you know, you can have a conversation about something that, that interested them, right? And again, listening to them and understanding what's going on in their day in the life of their world, right? Then from there, think about how you can transition into the reason that you called, honestly, right? You're you're kind of making that the reason that you called and you can tell them, be upfront, hey, the reason I called is because I wanted to talk to you about XYZ. And um, I'll be honest, I, I would like to develop a relationship with you to see if this is something that could turn into something more, right? Or, you know, think about that. And then how you can present and, and share your value proposition. Maybe it's a solution that you have that they've been looking for, that you don't even know that they are looking for what you do. And so asking those right questions and having them have answers to those questions that you're asking can really sometimes help them kind of articulate the idea in their mind that, oh, you know what, maybe I do need what you have to offer and I didn't even know I needed it until you brought up, you know, this idea or this pain point or the value that you bring, right? So just really the, the first thing, I think the idea of a cold call is just getting a meeting set. That, that's the, the first thing that can always help. 
it's a long game sometimes. You're, you're not going to sell the things that you do right off the bat because, you know, unless they really have a need for it and they needed it yesterday and, oh my gosh, you know, you're, thank you, good timing, it was great. That rarely happens. If it does, like, I want to hear from you because you obviously have dialed this in and know what you're doing and I want to hear. <laughs> you know, if, if it's a long game where you're going to make a series of calls or a series of meetings or you're going to send them something of value, what you can do is, hey, let me grab your email address. I want to send you this case study on something that I think you would see a value. You know, it's a two minute read. I would love for you to get, I would love to get your feedback on it. Uh, let me know what you think. By the way, another interesting thing that has happened for us with the podcast, and, and if I really want to talk to a podcast potential guest, the really cool thing is I can ask them to be a guest on the show and not sell them anything, you know, and, and then they see the value of what we bring and, and all of that. So podcast guesting is just another fun way to be able to cold call without trying to sell anybody anything because now you're giving them the opportunity to have the microphone, right? Um, so getting the calendar appointment set and then follow up. If you say you're going to do something, by all means, make sure you follow up and do it and in a timely manner because people, you know, they'll forget and you want to stay top of mind, have that Toma top of mind awareness. But the more you can interact with them and engage with them and, you know, follow them on social media, comment on what they're doing, pay attention to them, right? Everyone wants to have that time of someone paying attention to them, commenting, liking, sharing. What kind of value can you do in order to continue to build that trust in that relationship that you're wanting to build? And, you know, cold calling is not the only way to rely on the thing because we now have so many different ways that we're getting inundated with messages and LinkedIn direct messages and all the things, right? So what can you do to continue putting yourself in front of them 12 to 13 times, 11 to 13 times, find other ways to be where they're at in their messaging, in of the events that they attend, or maybe there's an association that they're the president of. Like, what can you do to continuously keep their mind Oh, I've heard about you before. Oh, I've seen you before. Oh, yeah. Thanks for sending that over to me. I, I read it and it was great or whatever. You know, what can you do with that? And being able to kind of cross promote and sort of use this omni-channel platforms of every way that we have to connect with people now. So then thinking about how you can partner with them, collaborate with them, language that is unobtrusive, not salesy, right? It's our work together and how we can work together to work with you to elevate and, you know, whatever it is that you're wanting to, to partner with them on, right? And then, of course, again, the follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. That's the most important thing to do. And then never leave a meeting without the next meeting set or the next action item that you're going to do and continue down the path of how you can continue prospecting in a, in a positive way that's going to continue to add value to your prospects. They're wanting to, you know, they, they have decisions to make all day, every day make it easy for them to decide to want to work with you and make it easy for them to be able to pick up the phone and call you back or send you a message back that they want to work with you or at least find out more information, right? Those are those are great words to hear. Oh, yeah, I'd be interested or oh, yeah, I want to find out more information. Tell me more, right? Those are like gold when you first start to develop a relationship with the prospects that you're going after. So, I want to hear from you. Maybe there's more tips. Maybe there's things that you have done that have worked highly successful for you that we could share with our audience on the Marketing Expedition podcast or in the community. 
you can always reach out to us. And of course, I'm on all the different socials and different places, but go to themarketingexpedition.com. There's a way to reach out to us there. You can always email hello at themarketingexpedition.com. We want to hear from you. And now we get to hear from Ben and all of the wonderful nuggets he's going to drop. And you definitely want to pay attention to this podcast episode. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen. I'm the president and CEO of Peppershock Media and the founder of the Marketing Expedition Community. And today's guest, we have Ben Lunt on the show. Welcome, Ben. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Ray. Well, Ben, um, let's share a little bit more with our audience, uh, just a, a bit about you and kind of where you came from and how you got to where you are now in, in your agency. Yeah, definitely. It's like uh, the Talking head song. How did I get here? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, been in advertising, marketing since 2005. And just, you know, I, I really enjoyed the career that I took. I I don't think it was really planned. It was just one company to the next. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. Let me go here and there. So, but it all started off at Monster. I was at monster.com. Oh, I remember um, Monster. <laughs> Monster, I know. They had those great Super Bowl commercials. Yes. And, um, yeah, and that was fun. It was like cool internet-y company. I, what I was doing wasn't very glamorous. It was actually cold calling, dialing for dollars, selling mm. ad space. But, you know, it was it was a great um it was a great job. I when even when I was there, I'm like, this is a, a good job. It's not a career. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be cold calling for two and a half plus years. And it, it paid really well, but it was, I liked it because it really helped me um, understand businesses needs and then align that with a marketing solution. In that case, it was more just recruitment advertising. So I was at Monster and then I was like, okay, I love digital advertising. This is awesome, but I don't want to just do recruitment. And then, so I pivoted and I had a great break. Uh, someone introduced me to Yahoo and I was able to work in their Boston office as an account manager, works on some awesome accounts like mm-hmm. Merrill Lynch and Fidelity. And I was in my twenties at the time, just like ramping up to all things PPC, um, and that was fun. But then I don't know Then I pivoted again and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to try agency side. And then I got into a sales role at agency called RKG or Rim Kaufman Group. And then um, from there, someone knew someone that Google was hiring. And then they're like, hey, Ben, you'd be a great fit. And I'm like, well, shoot, if you're in advertising, Google's a pretty good spot to be. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I was there from 2014 to 2018, but all throughout my career, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and, and at one day it just kind of hit a boiling point where I'm like, you know what, if I'm not, if I'm not going to take the jump, um, anytime soon, I'm never going to do it. So let's just take that jump. And then I founded rise marketing group. You know, I have a lot of respect for people who can do cold calling for two and a half years. I'll tell you that right off the bat, (laughs) but it does, it gives you a, a baseline of, everything else that you do from that point forward is being able to get rejection and be resilient because a lot of people will say no and it's okay right you have to whatever the the statistics are of how many no's you get before you get yes and and all those things I really think that it builds character in a lot of good ways right (laughs) oh yeah absolutely and um, I mean I was making 60 to 70 calls a day it was just, but you do it so much and then you don't even think about it. Whereas 
you know, even now, if you put me in front of like a phone book, if those even exist anymore, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to call 10 businesses. I would actually be a little nervous. Like, ooh, what am I going to say? Right. Not as nervous as before. But then once you do it, it's it's just like nothing. You're just like, okay, I want to ask for this. And then here's my open air line. And, you know, I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm, right. well, I am, but I'm just trying to figure out, is there a need for a partnership? And that's about it. Yeah. I have to share a, a short little story. So we were working with a sales consultant and everybody, the, the, the premise was everybody sells every day. And if you can get all of your people, even your designers, even your, you know, people that would normally never do a cold mm-hmm. call, if you can get them to at least try it, to do it and get them over the fear of, of being able to talk to people and, and get that going. My creative director, no, my, she was my art director at the time. She came and she'd worked for me for 15 years and came in and said, I will quit if I have to do this again. I will never do this again. (laughs) (laughs) And she, you know, (laughs) it was like the experience that they go through, right. To, to get the, the idea of what to say and how to say it. But then what it does though, is it translates into the people that they do know that they can now organically, you know, grow those accounts and, and get past the fear of, of cold calling because then it all the better when you are, um, you know, not having to do the cold call, but being able to bring up a sales opportunity because that word sales is always so, I don't know, sticky. Uh, For some reason it carries a weird weight, which it doesn't have to be. And I think that's only from people who, were sold into something in a bad way of maybe like tricked or duped into something, but that's like vacuum cleaner sales or used yeah. car salesman or something like that. But yeah, I think it was a definitely a very uh, interesting learning experience. <laughs> that's awesome. But, but, but know, it great does. skills out of it. Great it totally, skills out yeah. of it. <laughs> it was that will stay with you for life, for sure. For and, sure. And, and we still talk about it to this day. Do you remember that time we made you do like four cold calls and... <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I think it's definitely, uh, it's something that maybe a little nugget that people could use if they really wanted to, you know, get people in the idea that everyone sells every day. Yeah, but you know, you can add to that. So even if they're not doing cold call of, you know, things to listen to for your existing clients, like do they, Mm -hmm. do they say that they need email marketing or social or ask some probing questions to identify the need and then once the need is there, I'm like, oh yeah, talk to Ben, um, see if there's a fit for Rise Marketing Group to help out and same thing for your company. So even if it's not cold calling, but training to listen to certain things. And if this happens, this is what you do next. You have an opportunity. Um, so it's more like, Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was a, the fun uh, trip down memory lane for sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> now, so, so the cool part of it though, is you've progressed your career and you've learned a lot of really interesting dynamic digital you know like you said ppc and email and and all the things now that you use in in your agency let's dig in a little bit more because i think um our listeners always love little nuggets or just things that they can learn from you about what they could or maybe should not do or should do or things that are trending and changing now um because it's an ever-evolving world of what we live in right and so Let's dig into um, the comprehensive PPC, uh, say what it is, how it is, and then maybe some examples of some things that you've done for your clients that have really worked well and why. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So PPC, that's just um, 
short for pay-per-click, uh, just kind of industry speak. And that can be a variety of things. That can be Google ads, so advertising on Google with search ads or display ads. It could be advertising uh, through the meta platform on Facebook and Instagram through just paying per click. Any of the ad platforms, um, they've always been, well, that's a big part of what we do. And actually throughout my career has always been focusing on um, PPC, whether it's paid search or display or whatever that might be. But um, that can be, PPC can be a real strong engine for growth so long as the amount that you're paying for traffic is lower than the value of it. And that kind of makes a lot of sense, but it sounds silly to think about that. It's like, well, duh, man, yeah. But sometimes marketers forget that or advertisers forget that. And maybe some campaigns are just, the value that they're bringing are, is just not there. And some campaigns are bringing a ton of value that they should really be scaling. And one thing that a nugget I'll throw out everyone's way is make sure that every campaign that you're running, every platform that you're running on, that you have ironclad measurement. And at Rise, we're a total stickler as it comes to measurement. There's I can't tell you how many Google accounts or social accounts that we take over, and then they just don't have proper tracking. If they're e-commerce, they don't have the ads to cart firing, the purchases firing, the revenue amount passing back, or if they're lead gen, they don't have it set up because if you don't have that set up, truly, how do you know um, what's working and what's not? And so I would say for anyone who's listening, just make sure every platform that you're on, you feel very confident on that tracking. And, and I tell everyone, I'm like, if you're not sure how to place these pixels, don't DIY, don't watch YouTube videos because the risk is quite large. Um, if you don't get it right, always hire someone, hire a professional, It'll take two to four hours to set up everything correctly. Because when you set up correctly, now we live in an age of automation and AI and machine learning and all of the ad platforms, Google, Meta, you're you're not really bidding based off of a click anymore, or you definitely shouldn't be anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it's all based off of conversion-based bidding and telling Google in this case, hey, I'm looking for conversions. And not only am I looking just for general conversions, I'm looking for purchase conversions at a three return on ad spend or something like that. And that is only possible if you have the right conversion set up that the automation and the machine will learn. And if you have bad inputs or i.e. bad conversion tracking, you're going to tell Google, yeah, I'm looking for this, but what's in is going to totally impact what's out. Garbage in, garbage out. Or if you put in excellence in, then you're going to see the machines do some really good stuff. So that's, um, that's, that's one thing I'll just stress. Make sure you have solid, proper measurement and leverage the tools that Google and Meta has built out to mm -hmm. focus on driving these conversion events and less of direct clicks. You know, and that's so important. You're right. It's like if you if you do all of these efforts and you put forth all of the time and energy and, and money and 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 all the things that you do to get your ads going and and then you don't track it. What's the point? What's the point? <laughs> I know. And it, it always you know? like, yeah. And and like the, the biggest offenders like, oh, do you do social advertising? They're like, oh, I just kind of boost a couple of posts. I'm like, 
Okay. So what happened to the boosted post? I know the answer every time. It's always like, oh, I don't know. They're like, <laughs> I think the 5,000 people saw. I'm like, well, <laughs> don't do that unless if you have proper measurement and you're going after a specific audience and you can measure it. Otherwise, you're just giving Facebook money. And totally. if you want to do that, fine. That's that's your hobby. <laughs> it's an expensive <laughs> one, but that's your hobby. So, okay, let's talk a little bit more about measurement because there's so many tools and apps and ways yep. to go about it. What are some of your favorite ways to, and maybe just kind of talk us through the process a little bit, what tools or apps or, you know, things do yep. you use to really make sure that those conversions are happening? Yeah, definitely. So we, um, thankfully, we we brought in a developer that would, is primarily focused on measurement just because so many times we'd work with a client and we'd get past the instructions. And then sometimes they got it right. Sometimes they didn't. And it would just be a 20 email dialogue of like mm -hmm. testing, testing, because we just don't want to run any campaigns until it's live. So we, thankfully we brought in a, a developer mm -hmm. fully trained on GA, GA4, Google Tag Manager. But to answer your question, the platforms that we use, we like Google Tag Manager. It's um, a centralized bit of code where you can put all of your code into it. So your Facebook tracking, your Google tracking, your Microsoft tracking, and set up these events within this container tag. So it's just a nice way to just centralize everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then that way, if you ever stop a different platform, you can just remove the pixel from Google Tag Manager verse, which happens all the time. People put, put code on the site, stop using the platform, then that code lives and just weighs down the site. And then eventually you have a site that's so slow because you have 30 different pixels just firing and they don't even use- They're going nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, but we love, um, exactly. So we love Google Tag Manager um, to set up all the, you know, the Google Pixel, the Facebook Pixel, GA. We love GA, Google Analytics, now Google Analytics 4, which I know mm -hmm. is a big uproar in the community because everyone had to migrate. Um, mm -hmm. You did it, you definitely should. Um, a little late, but um, you should because mm -hmm. it's a great free platform. And GA4 is just an, another um, platform just to vet what Google's reporting, Google ads or Facebook ads, because sometimes the platforms might give them a little bit more credit than what they're due. Mm. And you just want to have that, another data set of like, okay, social ads are reporting 5K of revenue this week. Sounds good. What does Google Analytics show? And they'll always be different because their attribution mm -hmm. windows are different. So they'll never be aligned. But you know, if they're in a given range, you'd be like, okay, this is good. I'm going to push up on this. So we love that. And then for uh, Google Analytics, uh, for a centralized, um, just like another source of truth. And then for our reporting, we've done and are doing the migration to Google Data Studio. Mm. And that's reporting for our clients, which um, in our experience, we've tested a few platforms. That's the one that gives a ton of customization to really customize any type of dashboard, pulling in metrics from a variety of sources. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, those are, so to answer your questions, just to recap, mm -hmm. we love Google Tag Manager for pixel placement. Google Analytics, everyone should be using it. Make sure you have proper goals set up in that. And then for reporting uh, dashboard, we like uh, Google Data Studio. Mm-hmm. So, because Google Data Studio, I mean, you could just spend, like, it's a full-time job, right? I mean, just for those that have never used it before, 
um, maybe just give an overview of Google Data Studio because it, it is it's like a place where you can put all the all of the information. But how do you, how do you use it? How do your customers get to see it? What's the the benefit of Google Data Studio? Yeah, so there's a lot of really good reporting platforms out there. And depending, and it really depends on your need. If your needs are very basic, there's some other good reporting platforms out there like Dash This, we've tested that for years, where it has like really nice canned templates. But if you need something truly custom, it just wouldn't be the right one. But if you know, you're just a small business, you don't need anything fancy, something like that could be totally sufficient and you'd be fine with that. Now, why we we're actually in the process of migrating to Data Studio as we speak. We have several trainings internally this week. Um, why we're moving this is it's pretty much like a, a blank canvas. Now, which is a good thing if you know exactly what to report and what's <laughs> going to be meaningful for your client. But if you don't know, I would say don't even try to start with Data Studio because you won't even know where to begin. It's mm -hmm. That's more for just, I would say, more the intermediate to advanced marketer of like, no, these are the exact things I want to report. And I, I, I want to display it this way. And this is what's important for my clients. So I'm going to report that as a, as its North star, mm -hmm. but it's really, well, all it is, it's a, it's a blank canvas for reporting and you can pretty much configure it any which way that you want, whether you want daily views, weekly views, monthly views, mm -hmm. all Google products can be integrated. So Google search council analytics, Google ads, but then you do have to get another platform to do some integrations with, uh, or you need to get a third-party platform to integrate with other platforms like LinkedIn, um, mm -hmm. SEMrush, or things like that. So, you know, I'll throw it out there. That's more, Google Data Studio is amazing, but that's more for like nearing like expert marketer mm -hmm. land where you know exactly what you want and you want an open canvas to create that for your clients. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're just kind of doing some small business, uh, marketing, you don't need all that. Um, but that's why people hire you to do the things that they may not know how to do or have the time yes. to do or figure out doing. <laughs> Absolutely. And we'll make some really, we'll, we'll, we'll create some really cool, like scalable templates. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the platform that we've really been leaning in on. Oh, good. Well, that's why I say either they don't have the time or they don't have the talent <laughs> or, you know, they, they may have the treasure to pay for time and talent for other people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and the one thing about Data Studio is once you do build it, it as long as you're, you don't need updates frequently, it just automatically populates. So it's a heavy lift up front, but then you just have like a really awesome reporting tool that you can just lean on um, right. from this point forward. Oh, that's good. And having, well, and then interpreting the data that, that's coming to you so that you do understand, are you getting an ROI on the efforts that you're putting forth and, you know, what's working, what's not, what do you need to stop, start, keep or tweak doing, right? Yep, absolutely. Because all things PPC and advertising, you know, not to scare people, but it's like, it's like a high stakes game because you're playing with real money, um, whether you're spending a thousand a week or 10,000 a week or more. And getting back to my earlier comment, as basic as it sounds, is that the value that of the um, clicks that you're paying for is far more than what you're paying for, mm -hmm. unless if you have the analytics and the rigor of reviewing these dashboards, you, 
a profitable campaign could easily go the other way. So you just need to have like this nice view to make sure like, okay, yes, I'm getting way more value than I'm paying for this traffic. Let's mm -hmm. keep on and potentially even give more budget because the margins are, are good. Yeah, no, that's, that's very useful. So those of you listening, just make sure that you have a way to track what you're doing <laughs> because Ben and, and, and I mean, any marketer should know that that is going to be so valuable in making sure that you're getting an ROI, that you're not wasting your dollars and that they're going to be used and you're going to, the, the whole idea here is to lower the cost that it takes to acquire a new customer or to buy and then increase the lifetime value. And if you can track all of those things to help you along your way, then you're going to do things like build your brand and your bottom line. And that's the point. <laughs> and now it's time for a message from one of our partners, Kitcaster. Did you know that podcasts are a great way to grow your personal and business brand? And Kitcaster is a podcast booking agency that specializes in developing real human connections through podcast appearances. We've had several guests from Kitcaster on the Marketing Expedition podcast as well. So if you're an expert in your field, have a unique story to share, or an interesting point of view, it's time to explore the world of podcasting with Kitcaster. You can expect a completely customized concierge service from their staff of communication experts. Kitcaster is your secret weapon in podcasting for business. Your audience is waiting to hear from you. Go to kitcaster.com expedition to apply for a special offer for friends of this podcast. We do a marketing audit and I love how you said, let's dig into email marketing audit. Yeah. And so I would love to hear about the process that you go through to do an email marketing audit because email, oh my gosh, it can be lost in the the email abyss if you don't do it right. So let's talk about your email marketing audits and how that might have helped some of your clients. Yeah. So um, for our clients where we're taking over an existing email marketing campaign, before we get started, like, okay, what's this week's email going to be? Or let's create this funnel or automated series, whatever. We just want to take 10 steps back. Like, well, before we start to like get overly excited and start just creating these emails, let's take a step back. Let's review your marketing program, email marketing program. And it's very similar to the process that we do. Let's say if we're ta potentially taking over a Google ads account or we'll be like, well, they paid for a lot of this data. Let's look through it. Like, let's see what's working, what's not, and then make a strategy off of that. And it's the exact same thing that we'll do for email marketing audits. So we'll get access, whether it's MailChimp, Clavio, or 10 others. Um, there's so many yeah. email marketing uh, platforms out there. And then, you know, a couple of things that we, we look at is maybe the first week or two, we're just going to audit it. And a couple of things, it's just like basic stuff, but just taking inventory. So if you're running automations, are they set up correctly? Because sometimes they're not set up correctly where... They're not going out as expected um, or they're not going out to the appropriate audiences. We like to benchmark email efforts against industry standards. So let's say if you have an automation and maybe it's a five email automated series and you have a couple of emails that, you know, the open rate's strong, the click-through rate's strong against industry standards, but um, you have a couple that just aren't, that's going to flag us. Like, okay, what's up with these emails? Maybe we keep 
email number one and three because they're good, but two and four, eek, not doing so well. Is it the time when we're spending signing them or what? So we like to benchmark just to identify areas of opportunity. Um, we like to just also under talk to the clients, like what do you want your 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 customer based or your user base to do? And it sounds like super simple, but if they want them to pick up the phone, if it's a lead generation, don't send them to your website. Give them a number right there. Have them click to call. Like just making sure like whatever you really want them to do, that's very front and center. Uh, we want to make sure all links are working properly. A um, couple other things, just making sure design is very consistent throughout. So every time they get an email, it's very much they know exactly who it's coming from without even looking at who sent it. Um, yeah, so there's a few things that we look at it, but just the whole premise is they've been if they've been doing email marketing for a while, I'm sure that not everything needs to be redone. Let's just let the data tell us what's working and what's not. Mm-hmm. Keep what's working and what's not, then let's um let's try to up level that part of the program. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then you can make those recommendations and then you can see mass improvements and then they'll want to continue doing more. (laughs) That's the idea. Yep, absolutely. And email marketing is so funny. I feel like it got really popular and then for some reason it didn't, or maybe that's just my own view of it. And then, I don't know, it seems to be more relevant now than ever, especially as we're dealing with uh, the importance of first party data and people are moving away from like cookie-based marketing um, and just really owning that relationship one-on-one, I feel like is given like a nice jolt to the value of email and the importance of it. And to be, you know, thoughtful with your email, not spammy, but like very thoughtful of how you're engaging with your audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's key too, is making it customizable to them in some way, even though if you automate it, it, you know, making it so it's not where people are just going to delete it or archive it or, (laughs) I mean, the important thing is making sure that it doesn't go to people's junk mail, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, some, some companies out there, you don't need to be overly aggressive, like retail Generally, I mean, we all get retail e-commerce emails and the cadence of which e-commerce sends is very high, but not all businesses need that. Let's say you're just a small business. You don't need to send out um, email two to three times a week or sometimes even weekly. Sometimes it's just helpful just to have that monthly email of like, hey, as a reminder, we're here and here's some value-driven content that you might be, you find interesting Mm-hmm. But then, and your purpose of that is just to stay top of mind. So the next time they do have a need or someone that they know has a need, they think of you. Yeah. Toma, top of mind awareness. That's, that's right. good to continue to keep that. And then how do you feel about, because all these different email platforms allow you to tag or segment or creating a sequence or a series based on what people click on. Have you had experience? I mean, I assume you have, but maybe just share something that worked well with one of your clients where you've been able to do your audit and then make recommendations. And then what were kind of the results of, of what occurred after you did the, the email marketing audit process? And then share something that, that really actually truly was very effective. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, for that question, I'm probably going to have to 
I would, I need to phone a friend. I want to call Jill who leads our email marketing practice. <laughs> she could really go into detail of like, oh, this, these are the fines and this is what we did. So yeah. as the owner and leader of the agency, sometimes I don't get all the specifics of everyone. Gotcha. But you know, I, will, <laughs> I will say, um, you know, to answer your question, like, yes, definitely do automated series based off of tags. And like, even, you know, something that's closer to kind of like what I'm have more day-to-day access to Mm -hmm. not that i don't have access to our email marketing but i'll just kind of share this out even like even with rise marketing group obviously Mm -hmm. we do our own marketing um no way (laughs) i know crazy (laughs) Um, our own marketing always gets back burner doesn't it (laughs) i know it is funny the first couple years of existence we did very little marketing for ourselves just because you know cobbler no shoes right he was always focused on clients and i'm like we should probably be doing an a better job with our own marketing. And then, and then this past <laughs> year we have, we do weekly blog posts for SEO. We even launched some YouTube stuff that we're doing a video a week is our goal. But then I'm also- I'm so proud of you, Ben. That is amazing. Good I know. Job. <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. But, um, but yeah, and then even we're testing out some cool stuff on LinkedIn. Um, they have a new ad format called Document Ads, mm-hmm. which is a lead generation ad. And then, so what we did, like one example- yeah, is um, we did what was it a SEO for blog posts like best practices how to have your blog posts rank higher organically, and as a document, and then you have to add in your email, name and company for to download it. Nice. But then LinkedIn has a direct integration to Mailchimp. We take these users from in Mailchimp, and then we'll do an automated series of pertaining around SEO. So we're not going to then start sharing all the, like this PPC stuff or social stuff, because that's not exactly what they express interest in. Mm-hmm. So then we do a five-part series. I forget exactly each of the emails, but um, very value-driven. And, you know, the open rates, I was actually quite surprised was like 50% plus throughout the series. Wow. And I was like, wow, this is really strong. And that engagement. is impressive. Very good. Um, but I, I do believe like it was the way we designed it was very much not spammy of mm-hmm. you have to call rise today. Why don't you call rise marketing? PS, you're going to call us. It was like very much <laughs> like, Hey, thanks for downloading this. And there'd be a series of like, Hey, check out our thoughts on video as it pertains to SEO and how can video be an important part of your SEO strategy and very much value driven top of funnel type in game. Um, goals of just to get them to be aware of us and trust us and not asking for that sale. Um, it's not a cold call. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or maybe I'll put on my old cold call hat and I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm going to start calling these people. <laughs> but it's a good opportunity because they've already expressed interest in the value and the content that you have expressed that you know something about. So, you know, you're establishing yourself as an expert in the field and that you know what you're talking about. And they, again, establish trust. They've now come to know your name as a company and you've got their contact information because they put in their email first party data, right? First party data, because they did it. They made that action. And now you've got this beautiful ability to market to them in a way that's not salesy, but you're giving them value. And then, hey, by the way, uh, we can do this for you if you are you know, interested in what we have to offer. I love it. Yeah. I love how you brought up cold calling again, but that would be a great way to whether you, anyone who's listening to this, if 
they're the owner of a company that then at that point they pick up and say, hey, saw you download this. Let me know if you ever have a need, even if it's just a quick voicemail or someone on the team, because these are Mm-hmm. These are really good leads. These are, um, mm-hmm. I'll age myself a little bit, but these are the Glenn Gary leads from Glenn mm-hmm. Gary, Glenn Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you're not just opening up, a, you know, some directory and just cold calling. Wait, 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 time out. We need to explain that to my students because they don't know who that is. Give them, give them a little synopsis. <laughs> oh yeah. So Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross um, was a film in the early nineties. Um, Alec Baldwin was in it. It was a very much a sales movie I think it was based off of a play Mm -hmm. um Jack Lemmon's in it and anyone who is in sales interested in sales I would say watch it Mm -hmm. it's just a classic and there's some really great dialogues of um quotable moments even I mean I know that there's people who quote things from that movie (laughs) oh yeah definitely um he was doing a sales contest where he's like first place you win I don't know let's call it a trip Second place, you win a set of steak knives. And third place is you're fired. It was like a very like hardcore sales movie. Oh, yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. And then one more quote. Sorry, I digress. And someone just complains like, these leads are no good. He's like, these leads are no good. It's like, you're no good. Anyhow, anyone who's interested or in sales should watch that movie. Sales is not that hard, hardcore as this movie made it out to be, but very much entertaining. Okay, I had to look it up. I cheated. But this is this is one I know I was thinking of. When you die, you're gonna regret the things you didn't do. <laughs> Ooh, yes. I like that. Yes. And then always tell the truth, George. It's the easiest thing to remember. <laughs> yes, Classic. that's true. Yes. I think after this podcast, I'm gonna be doing some cold calls. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> that's great. Um, okay, so another area of focus that you t- tend to do uh, or have said, um, why posting on many social media platforms as possible is not always as effective as it may appear. So let's dig into social media platforms and some posting strategies that you have found effective. Not, like like you said, maybe not posting on as many can be even more effective, like kind of less is more, right? Less is more. Yeah, definitely, because there's so many platforms out there from like Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and then you have Twitter and Pinterest. All the things. And now there's yeah. Be Real and there's all the Mastodon or whatever it's yeah. called and, and all these other ones. <laughs> yeah. And then each platform is like, well, am I doing a post? Am I doing a reel? Am I doing a story? Like, you know, before you know it, you could literally spend 40 hours a week just posting stuff. But then that's just that's just chasing the wind. You don't know what's what to do. That's there's zero strategy in that. So the best is just like think about your audience. Where are they? Where are they? Are they if you're B2B, then yeah, LinkedIn, maybe a little Twitter. Um, if it's more direct to consumer, maybe your manufacturer, direct to consumer, based off of the age of the consumer, think about where they are from a social perspective. Maybe it's more Instagram, or if they're older, maybe it's Facebook, or maybe they're young and they're probably forms that I don't even know about. Um, but um, always just think where where are your where are your customers? Like what platforms are they spending their time in to get information? And then just write one or two of those. Start with one or two of those platforms and and just really, I'd rather just go deep on one or two platforms where your audience is, versus go shallow and try to catch everything because 
you're going to have, you're just going to be stressed out and nothing to show for it. Um, and really put together a strategy to try to engage those audiences and build up a following. Um, one thing I'm just going to throw out there, I've been, I don't know how valuable this is, but it's definitely like a, a mini wave that I'm riding and we'll see how long this wave lasts for. <laughs> okay. But um, one of the things that- the Proper way is a, it's a marketing trend. How about that? <laughs> exactly. So one of the things with any type of social marketing, generally speaking, it has a sh very short shelf life. So you're going to be in a feed for six to 12 hours. 24 is very generous. And then that's it. And that's a lot of time and effort that goes into it. I'm kind of- Right in this wave of what about platforms where you have a lot of stay that like they will just stay there for a while. Like Pinterest. And Pinterest. I'm riding that wave right now for our clients where it makes sense because we're doing some Pinterest posting and some um, promoted pins. Um, sorry, Pinterest pinning um, and promoted pins. And each pin you create is actually a small asset for your business that drives a lot pretty much from top to bottom funnel we actually just published a blog post about this Ooh. and case study to follow and i like it because the staying power is there versus instagram and i'm not knocking instagram there's a time and a place and we have clients that make a lot of money off of instagram but it's going to be gone in six to 12 hours pinterest mm -hmm. is one and then we before this podcast we we're just chatting about video um, cause I know you guys focus a fair amount on video, mm -hmm. you know, YouTube's another great platform. Um, you know, you, it's a unique type of social platform, but staying power is there. So putting together some really good content that's value driven, each bit that you create, it's going to stay out there and people can find it and people do search the Pinterest database. And obviously YouTube's the second or people search YouTube a lot so much that it's the second largest search engine. So I don't know, I'm kind of riding this little Pinterest wave as mm -hmm. well as you know, really valuing any creative assets that can, that has some level of staying power. I asked me in a year how that worked out and I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. give you an update, but um, we're not putting all of our eggs in that basket, but that's just something that we're testing a bit. Oh, you're going to be the next Pinterest billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, last thing um, that we can talk about is because, you know, people, the economy is on everyone's mind, the debt, the debt, the debt, the debt. One of the things that you said is how to market during a, let's call it a potential recession. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, you know, we published a blog article. This is in this, when was this? Early Q3 of last year, 2022. And at this point, because we do work, well, we work with a variety of businesses and some venture-backed startups. And even then, at that time, we were hearing of some pullbacks from investors and the investors were getting scared, not from the companies that we're doing marketing for, but generally speaking, the economic um, forecast of, well, shoot, should we be saving our cash? Should we be less aggressive with budgets? And then so we wrote a little piece of, considerations when marketing in a recession and just some highlights is one, I would say you have to be no, no doubt way more thoughtful of where you're putting your money. And that gets it to earlier in our conversation of the value of proper measurement, just to make sure that 
you're not taking a sledgehammer approach to marketing budgets. You're not just going to be like, oh, uh, we're in a recession, so got to cut marketing or I got to cut marketing by 50% and I'm just going to slash it evenly across. Approach it instead with a scalpel of like, okay, well, maybe we'll pull back on some campaigns that are more upper funnel that do generate leads, but those leads don't convert until six to 12 months. And let's more focus like on mid funnel and lower funnel. Um, so really just having proper measurement and taking that scalpel approach. I totally get it if companies do need to make some budget cuts, but be very you know, thoughtful of how you're going to approach it. Um, another thing is you can't just say, well, we're in a recession. I'm just going to do lower funnel and I'm just going to do example remarketing because if you're not driving people to your site, there's no one to even remarket to it in the first place. So you do have to have some level of the funny, uh, the funnel in activation. And lastly, in a recession, there can be some good efficiencies where a lot of companies have pulled back on marketing. It could be a great place to earn some customer and market share um, because they pulled back the cost per clicks, PPC is lower, and you can kind of use the Warren Buffett advice of be greedy when everyone's fearful and fearful when everyone's greedy. So when everyone's being fearful, you know, if your business is still doing okay, I would say don't just cut budget because everyone else is. Maybe double down and really take some uh, market share. Well, and that's that's the kind of the the double down on digital <laughs> and, and focusing on the industries that are well recession proof. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, and, definitely. You know? And yep, and digital. I mean, grateful that of the industries that we're both in that. I don't think digital is going away anytime soon. Um, so, you know, you, you want to stay active on it because your customers are still there. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we're not in recession and we might be. I think we are. But um, it depends on who you talk to and on what day and what time. And, <laughs> you know, yeah, but either either way, at the end of the day, there's going to be people that still need products and services. Maybe there might might be a little bit more price conscious or do their due diligence on sourcing suppliers. Mm-hmm. People are going to still need stuff like that's not going away and they're online. So you have to, you know, you can still reach them via via digital, even if we are in a recession. OK, a couple more questions for you and then we'll wrap up. But I um, I love to ask this question for the students that get to listen to our podcast for those who are about to graduate, about to, you know, make their entry into the the big bad world, <laughs> or maybe good, I don't know, however you look at it, what would you say to somebody who, who's about to graduate, maybe wanting to get into similar industry, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, um, I would say study. I would study. Um, I know they're just graduating. They're like, what are you talking about, Ben? I just studied for the last four years. I know. Um, but, you know, I would study on the trade. Um, and I'll give you a very good example is, so when I was at monster.com, cold calling, dialing for dollars, and then I got an interview for Yahoo as a search engine marketer specialist. I forget what my job title was, but doing search ads. Mm-hmm. I was going to the interview. How on earth was I going to pivot cold calling for monster.com to, yeah, I can run these search campaigns for some pretty big market or, or advertisers. 
And it sounds really silly, but I went to Barnes and Noble at the time, you know, before Amazon took over the world. And um, yeah, I picked up, what was it? It was like, it was SEM for dummies, search engine marketing for dummies. <laughs> there you go. It sounds really silly, but I read that book and I was taking notes. I was listening to podcasts about um, SEM. And then, so when I went to the interview, they were asking me like, okay, well, what are the things that you'd look out for in a company when doing SEM? And I actually had some really, maybe I just lucked out with some good like thoughts, but I remember like some of them came from these books and I studied for that trade. So I would say advice. I know they're graduated with, with great degrees and everything, but whatever you want to do before an interview, um, just take that extra step, subscribe to some, you know, good blogs out there, listen to podcasts like this one. Um, if this is the field that you want to get into read books and be literate on what you want to be, because, um, People just don't hand you opportunities because you want to do it. You really have to show some level of willingness to learn um, to get that role. Mm, yeah, lifelong learning. It blows my mind that people sometimes just don't want to do the things that will get them above and beyond where they're at in their role. And so if they can adopt this idea that they need to continue to learn and grow and develop their skills, it's going to come back to them in abundance, right? And if you know, and if you don't, you'll, um, you know, your value and your worth is going to diminish pretty much by the quarter because the world is moving on. And if you're not keeping up and staying on top of it, the value and your knowledge is just going to be less and less um, than like what the standard is for that industry. So always say, and you know, whatever you do, I would say, for any student graduating, just do what you love because you want to be a lifelong learner. And if you don't love, in this case, marketing, I won't get into it because it's changing every day. For me, I love marketing even to this day. Um, so taking 15 minutes to read Search Engine Land, Search Engine Journal, I actually like that stuff. Um, so pick something what you love where you know studying it and staying up to date is actually going to be more fun than anything. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a good advice for sure. Okay, Ben, uh, if people are interested in wanting to work with you, learn more from you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so just look us up, Rise Marketing Group, um, or the website is risemkg.com. Uh, Check out our website. Uh, if you want to chat, just um, leave your information on our website. I'll give you a call. Uh, it won't be a cold call because you left your email, but uh, <laughs> That's right. call. and then um, really the process is understand your goals. If you do have a campaign that you want us to review to see what the true opportunity is, we can do an audit, whether it's an email audit or a PPC mm -hmm. audit, SEO, and we just go from there. But yeah, Rise Marketing Group. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for dropping all these wonderful nuggets. This is great. I think people will really enjoy what they, you had to say today. So thank you. Excellent. Thanks so much. I really appreciate this. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, the best thing that you can do for Ben and I both is to share this podcast with others you know that need to hear what Ben had to say today. And of course, give us a review because that's like gold in the podcast world, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then until next time, everybody, enjoy your marketing journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. 
Want to continue the journey? Don't miss out on new episodes. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.